Good afternoon, listeners. I am Noah Stein, the host of Speedway Sounds. Immediately after last week's show, I learned that a high school classmate of mine lost her life. Ordinarily, I would begin with my greeting, the intro song, etc. But when I learned how she passed, I realized I could not remain silent. She was driving during the night of February 15th. Another car hit hers, sending her to the hospital with serious injuries. But she died days later. The driver of the car that hit her was arrested for driving under the influence. Respecting her family, I will not discuss her name or the more specific details of the accident. She and I were only in the same school for a semester. I had just arrived and at the end of my first semester, she left. So I did not know her as much more than an acquaintance. But she was there for my first day at my high school, which was one of the most important days of my life. It's hard for me to get a sense of who she was from my own memory. But I know that she impacted the lives of my friends and classmates much more. One of my friends who knew her for several years wrote to me, and I'd like to quote him. In the short time I knew her, she was a constantly happy individual who knew how to bring genuine joy to anyone around her by making light of any situation. In other words, she was a good friend with a lively and cheerful personality that will be truly missed. So if anyone who knew her is listening, I hope this will help the healing. My regular show is and will always be about cars. My goal is to describe the best of cars and those who own, maintain, and drive them. But I also need to talk about the downsides. It's why I say at the end of my show, never ever drive distracted or under the influence. At 18 years old, like she was, I have only experienced a small piece of the heartache DUI accidents and distracted driving crashes have caused around the world. So this has been a learning and mourning experience for me to produce this special. Driving under the influence and driving distracted is a car issue, and it should be a car fan's issue. But it must be a constant reminder for all who have the privilege of driving a car. So, without further ado, welcome to the Distracted and Drunk Driving Awareness Special on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. that was the Corpus Christi Carol by Jeff Buckley. And I'd like to thank uh, the music director here at KUCI, Leslie, for that recommendation. I have some statistics that I'd like to share with you about drunk driving. And these were posted on MADD.org, which is the website for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Each day, people drive drunk more than 300,000 times but only about 3,200 are arrested, FBI 2014, in an article called Crime in the United States. About one-third of all drivers arrested or convicted of drunk driving are repeat offenders. And that comes from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 
1995. In fatal crashes in 2014, the highest percentage of drunk drivers was for drivers ages 21 to 24, 30%, followed by ages 25 to 34, 29%, and third, 35 to 44, which is 24%. And that's also from the NHTSA. Drunk driving involvement in fatal crashes in 2014 was almost four times higher at night than during the day. 34% versus 9%. And that is from the NHTSA in 2016. Every day in America, another 27 people die as a result of drunk driving crashes. Also from the NHTSA. In terms of changes in, in junk driving over time in the last 20 years, an article from drinkinganddriving.org, I learned about the fact that in our local, state, and federal enforcement, laws have been stiffened, penalties increased, both, in, uh, both financial penalties and incarceration penalties. Um, also, organizations have increased awareness by changing public attitudes towards drunk driving, and that has reduced the amount of drunk driving crashes that happen each year. And third, automotive manufacturers produce safer cars than they did 20 years ago, more standard safety features than ever before. Taking a look at drunk driving in the United States compared to the rest of the world, I looked to Wikipedia. In countries such as the United Kingdom and Australia, drunk driving and deaths caused by drunk driving are considerably lower in the United States. Drunk driving deaths in the United Kingdom with a population of 61 million people and a total of 31 million cars were 380 deaths in 2010. While in California alone, which has a population of 36 million people and 32 million cars, there were 1,489 deaths from traffic accidents related to alcohol or other drugs. Even though alcohol consumption per capita in the United Kingdom and Australia is higher than in the United States, and the drinking, uh, legal drinking age for those countries are lower than in the U.S., Interesting fact I learned is that, unlike the United States of America, these countries do not see restricting access to alcohol as having any useful role to play in reducing drunk driving. Their experience is that random breath tests, severe penalties, including imprisonment for a first offense, combined with blanket public service broadcasting, are a more effective strategy. And one more country I looked at, Germany, they have a legal limit of 0 0.05, unlike uh, California, which is... 0.08, and the rest of the United States is also 0 0.08, lowers, and, and that German legal limit lowers to 0 0.03 if the driver is found to be at fault in a traffic accident. And if you're under 21, just like in the United States, you cannot have any alcohol in your system at all. So with, with those facts, I'd like to turn to what's going on today. And I've asked quite a few people about their experiences with drunk driving, and I spoke to someone today who I thought was had a very important perspective. He admitted to me that he had once made a stupid decision. 
he had once decided to drink and drive. He said he made excuses for himself. One such excuse is that he was close enough to home or wherever he was staying the night. And another was that hailing a taxi would be way too expensive. But over time, he became aware of the dangers. One of his friends was pulled over and convicted of a DUI. Through his friend, he learned about the severe penalties. It stays on your record. And whether or not you actually hit anything, there are severe penalties. And no doubt, if you do harm someone, he reminded me, the courts will pretty much decide the rest of your life. Responsible drinking, he said, starts with planning. Whether it's scheduling your Lyft or Uber ahead of time, or getting a friend to be your designated driver. Anything to keep you off the road should be dealt with way before you enter a bar or enter a party. For me, it comes down to this. Do I really want to accept the responsibility if I choose to hold my keys in my left hand and my drink in my right? Do I really want to accept the responsibility of hurting someone? Listeners, sit back for a moment and visualize that and process that. Think about it for a moment. And think about what decisions you'd like to make so that you do not go drinking and driving, so that you are fully conscious and aware of your actions on the road. A woman emailed me and told me about a program that she had experienced in high school. And it reminded me of a program I had also experienced in high school. It was the same program called every 15 minutes, just in two different ways for two different schools. Here are her words that she wrote to me. Every two years in my high school, as well as many other high schools in Northern California, would do this two-day event called Every 15 Minutes. This was to speak of the issues and horrors of drunk driving. What would happen is that every 15 minutes, a new student would be picked from the junior or senior class from the high school from someone dressed as death. And she, w and she said, I was one of the walking dead. They would then return to class in ghost makeup and sit in their same seat and walk around the school as if they were a student, but instead they were a living memory. When the student left the classroom, the teacher would be handed an obituary for the student that would be said aloud to the class. The student's parents, with prior knowledge of the event, would be told of the event by a police officer who came to their door. The student, the student's parents, and student's friends would have no spoken or written contact. The students who were the walking dead would then go on a retreat and talk about their experiences that occurred that day and listen to statistics and stories from individuals who had first-hand experience with drunk driving. In my high school's version of the program, it took place during my sophomore year. And... It was an accident, it's, the day started off, the program started off with an accident simulation. There were two uh, destroyed cars placed on a back circle, and then as we, as the simulation began, ambulances came up, police cars showed up, 
And then also the, um, uh, a medevac uh, helicopter landed in our field while a simulation uh, of a recovery of the drivers and passengers in the vehicles who were, and those were actors played by my, my fellow students. Uh, and that, that started the day. Then later in the day in my trigonometry class in sophomore year, uh, uh, during the middle of trigonometry, uh, what's, what happened is that students who participated in the program would get up when their when their name was called over the loudspeaker, and they would leave. And when they left, their obituary was read over a loudspeaker. This would take place every 15 minutes throughout the school day. And without my or anyone else's knowledge, my best friend was one of the participants in this program. During the middle of that trigonometry class, a cop opened the classroom door, and he escorted my best friend out of the class. And just like that, my best friend was gone. No one saw him or heard of him or heard from him for the rest of the day. And all of the participants ended up in our high school gym for the night. The next day, a memorial ceremony was held in the gym celebrating the lives of those students. And their parents also participated in, the, in this memorial ceremony. And only after that did we have the blessing of being able to see them again. It seemed so realistic that I began thinking about what I would do if this were reality. What would I do if I lost my best friend to a drunk driving accident? It was as much of a simulation as one could create without it being reality. And for me now, it is real. But it has always been real for others. The, the woman who wrote me also gave me another story of her own life. She said, from the time I was five to the time I stopped speaking to her father, to my father at 16, he would often drink and drive, many times with me in the car. He was a respectable lawyer within our community, and he had this and many more secrets to tell. He would use the emergency lights when he drove and said that they worked better than constantly having to turn on and off the high beams. But I knew this was a lie. I could smell the alcohol on his breath and see his bloodshot eyes. And when he turned on the flashers midday after picking me up from school at 2.40 p.m., there was no way that his brand new car would break that quickly. So imagine that. She was right there. She was in the passenger seat when her father chose to drink and drive. She was helpless. She could not take over the vehicle. Imagine that. It's very difficult. So yeah, the two stories I bring, one my classmate who was in another car that was and was struck by a drunk driver, and now the woman who emailed me who was a passenger in a drunk driver situation. So what do we do? We'll revisit driving under the influence in a few minutes. I'd like to go to distracted driving. Uh, here are some more statistics. In 2014, 3,179 people were killed and 431,000 were injured in motor vehicle crashes involving distracted drivers. As of December 2014, 169.3 billion text messages were sent in the U.S. every month. And 10% of all drivers 15 to 19 years old involved in fatal crashes were reported as distracted at the time of the crashes. This age group has the largest proportion of drivers who were distracted at the time of the crashes. 
and drivers in their 20s are 23% of drivers in all fatal crashes, but are 27% of the distracted drivers and 38% of the distracted drivers who are using cell phones in fatal crashes. That's from the NHTSA. And distracted driving, uh, it is, uh, I believe it's distractions.gov. And this brings me to another personal story that I have straight from the KUCI studio and from my manager, Kevin Stockdale. He told me in an email about Jessica, a DJ who used to play a music show during the winter and spring of 2010 in the year that before she graduated from UC Irvine. Here's what he wrote to me. It's been several years but it was also a tragic wrong time, wrong place where she was standing on a corner waiting to cross the street when a kid fussing with his iPod crashed into two cars and the wheel of one went flying and hit her in the head. I actually worked with her family to put on a memorial for her on campus since she had graduated from UCI a few months prior and later we did an anti-distracted driving event on campus. He said, These kinds of accidents and unnecessary losses of life are always twice as sad. So what should we do? What should we do? And right now, I'd like to bring in the host of the f show that follows me here on KUCI, uh, Mikhail Woodward. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, brother. It's good to be on your show. Yeah, well, welcome, Mikhail. Uh, thanks so much for being on the special today. I uh, First of all, I'm... Um, uh, Sorry to hear about your loss of uh, your friend. My condolences. Um, as you said, uh, anytime um, someone goes, you know, especially when it's young, but anytime, it's just, uh, it's not easy. So, right, thanks. I really appreciate that. So, I wanted to ask you since you have, you have experience, your show is about drinking, it's about beer. It's about beer, which includes drinking, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we often talk about it uh, that, uh, uh, although there are some perspectives I think that need to change and that I think uh, if you can live on your own and go to college and serve your country and die for your country and vote, that uh, you should be able to drink. And I think it shouldn't be considered a taboo. And in that way, we might actually get where some education was going on and people would not binge drink and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but we also talk about um, people should... Uh, you know, wh the reason that I have a beer show is because I like the flavor of beer. And, I, and I, you know, I do like, I think that, um, you know, it does take away inhibitions and it can make you relax and enjoy it. But I do it for the enjoyment. I don't ever do it to pound it or to, to get hammered to binge drink. I can't say that I didn't, haven't tried that when I was younger, especially under peer pressure. So I think that comes in a lot. And so being on a campus, um, people need to be very aware of that because it can lead to uh, you know, alcohol poisoning. Um, there have been deaths from that. Uh, you know, you would definitely, if you don't vomit, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just not fun the next day. So it, beer is more about really the pleasure of being able to enjoy the experience and the taste with your food and with other people. And so we, I often talk about people need to make sure that they are aware of their surroundings and what their tolerance is. Everyone has a different tolerance. Most of it's based on their height and their, their weight. Um, the good ratio for most people is one drink an hour, whether it's a, mm -hmm. a regular mixed drink, a shot, one shot equals a drink. Um, 
or a beer or a wine, they're all the equivalent, the same equivalent of alcohol in your body. Um, but I, people ask me, well, how do, you, how do you do it? How do you pace yourself? How do you not get drunk? I'm like, well, I have water and I have food and I have drink and I pace myself. Um, if I have, you know, I, I, I have a higher tolerance and I'm a bigger body. I've been drinking longer. I can drink more than most people, but I'm still not going to go have four beers or five beers and then go try and drink or drive. It's, it's terrible. So we tell people, don't drink and drive. You, you know, there's all kinds of things. Get a designated driver. Uh, and now you have lots of options where you can get into using Uber or Lyft or Yellow and all that stuff. So there's really no excuse for people um, not uh, doing that because they're putting themselves and other people in danger. Do you think the message gets across to people who love to drink? Do you think the message of, of not of don't drink and drive, do you think it gets across enough? You know, I think it's all perspective. Um, I, I think there's plenty of infomercials out there, you know, maybe PSAs and stuff, uh, radio stations and, and commercials. Um, I know that uh, MAD has, has done uh, a big job about that. I don't necessarily always agree with their... It can be astringent. I, I think it's, like I said, a balance. You don't have as much going on in Europe and other parts of the world. I had one person say, well, they do a lot more public transportation, but that's not necessarily it. They drive just as much in bikes and stuff. You can have as many accidents on that. Um, but I, they don't treat it as taboo. It's part of family. And I think that that comes down to part of it. Um, but, you know, I can't say that they're, it's going to hurt to try and do more. Uh, there are just always people who are going to think that's not me and, oh, I know what I'm doing. And until that moment, they're just people just don't realize. And, and that's, that's the problem is consequences always come with your choices, you know. Mm -hmm. So and, and, and that can come down to where, again, I, I, the reason I do stuff is I, I want to make sure that I'm safe and other people are safe. And, I, you know, I was bought on the, the golden rule, treat people the only way you want to be treated. So if I don't want them to hurt me, why am I going to try to? put myself or I'm going to put someone else in danger mm -hmm. so it's just using wisdom like that um, and sometimes you just got to go you know I'm, I'm good I'm not you know thanks right now and don't come so come to peer pressure because I think a lot of the stuff that where people get you know is the binge drinking games and all that kind of stuff and I've had those you pay for them sometimes sometimes you don't usually you do um, but make sure you're not driving if you're doing that you know what I'm saying and make sure with people you can trust and safe and that mm -hmm. you, you have a limit you have to have a limit because everybody has a limit Back yeah. to what I said, you know, it should be a drink an hour. If you have more than that, you just need a few hours to, to you should just be having water and food. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever known someone who has decided to drink and drive? And have you ever, <coughs> have you ever talked to them about it? Several. I had a friend uh, one time that I, um, um, I, I hate to admit this, but he was an officer of the law. And I was like, dude, give me the keys. You're not really good. You're not good to drive. And he's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, what if you get pulled over? He's like, oh, I'll just show my badge. I'm like. And that's okay. No, I'm in the car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and it goes back to people think that they can handle stuff. You know, I'm not saying all people are like that. Most people are not. And most officers are not. I just, I think it was just uh, a time where he was thinking, oh, I'm good. You know, I can do it. And, and uh, I had to have a strong conversation, you know. Uh, I remember jumping out of another car. It wasn't, um, it was not alcohol. It was drugs. And I had no idea that these people were picking up drugs. And I got them and I was like, I just... I said, let me out. They wouldn't let me out. I climbed through the window to get out, and they didn't understand. I'm like, oh I'm my, not, yeah. not going to be in this oh, car wow. while you're impaired to drive. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do it. I had a friend when I was in high school. It's been many years, but he was uh, driving drunk, and uh, unfortunately, he there was a in my city in Rialto where I grew up, there's a, a train track, and it comes to where it comes up to like a little like hill, and he he was in a bug, uh, a VW, mm -hmm. and he and he went flying through that, and. Uh, 
the train was coming and the 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 rail thing was down anyways uh he ended up dying that night mm-hmm. he got de- he got decapitated decapitated um mm, and gosh. that was a pretty pretty big thing in in high school for us you know mm-hmm. so i d- i and i didn't drink at the time and i didn't drink for a long time i didn't drink until i was probably 23 mm-hmm. and i still took my time it was it, it was more peer pressure at first and then i mm-hmm. discovered there was good beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> rather than just drinking because people wanted to get drunk Mm-hmm. So I think that's really your thing. Choose your friends. Choose wisely. Kind of you, you know, use your discretion. And and it, it comes down to conversations like this. When we have to have, a, here's the thing that people realize. You know, some people say, "Oh, my friend will just let me do what I want." No, your friend will stand up and say, "You're being an idiot. I'm not going to hang out. I I, I like you. Want to be your friend, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. hang out or allow you to do that with where you're impeding or jeopardizing your life and mine." Mm-hmm. And that's a true friend. And I think people don't realize that they come under peer pressure, and there's that you know, you know, whole thing. Oh, snitches get stitches and stuff. That's the biggest yeah. bully, bully line I've ever heard, and I hate it every time I hear it in a movie or like that mm-hmm. because all it does is, and it's 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 used to to people who are getting away with something that they know they shouldn't to uh, to bring other people along with them, mm-hmm. and and it can it can hurt you. So um, I think that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. I definitely that. I definitely agree with that. We need to be better members of our society we need to tell others when they're when what they're doing is wrong we need to make sure that we're we're taking preventative measures against uh driving and and drinking at the same time whenever we're in our social environments and yeah I've had to take keys away from friends, and most mm-hmm. usually you want to do it. And hey, man, I think you know why don't you ride with me? Or how about you? Can't, you need to try and put it in a way where they're here because people are drinking, obviously impaired. They don't listen well. Um, and I will tell you right now, there was once in my life, once, once in my life, I drank way too much, and I wanted to leave with my keys, and my friends would not let me. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. It was because there was a fight was going on, and the guy's face went into my grill of my truck, and it broke, and I was mad, and I wanted to leave. I wanted mm-hmm. to get away from the fight, but I was not ready to fight or to drive. But uh, I had some friends who took the keys, and luckily um, I stayed there, and I was on the couch the whole next day, yeah. uh, and it was not good. But I was glad because it's the only that was the only time that I had ever made a decision. Because I mean, it was based on a flight, fight or flight. I was flying. I was trying to get out of where this area was, so I just wanted to loop, move my truck and just go home. But I was not uh, ready to drive, and that mm-hmm. was the only time that I ever had. And, and it was a big lesson for me. And so hopefully people are that. But I had some good friends who were like, yeah, we got your keys. Stay on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Based on your personal experience, Mikhail, this will be a last question for the special here. Do you think bars are doing enough to ensure that patrons are getting home safely? Yeah. I would say bar. I would say the majority of bars out there, and I'd say it's in the high 90s. I, I'm not going to give you a percentage because I haven't done a thing. I've only seen maybe one or two bars that I've ever been at where the people just aren't – are the bartender as well as the people are not really caring and they're just there to get ripped and they don't care. But most bartenders, and uh, whether it's a brewery or a real bar and they're doing hard liquor and stuff like that, are trained uh, to to identify that and see the glazing of the eyes and the slurry speech and, and, the, and, the, and the cadence of the walk and all that kind of stuff and cut someone off, put mm-hmm. them on water, say, hey, hey, buddy, you know, that kind of stuff. When we try to be... Where, where we're engendering them as friends. Hey, you know, hey, hey, buddy, why don't I give you a water instead? Um, and if it doesn't work, then that's when we have to be hard and say, hey, you're cut off, or or we have to eject you. Mm-hmm. And and what it comes down to is that every place that allows someone to be drunk and, and to leave, not only can you be, uh, you know, 
the, can there be a DUI or a, like just a, a, a ticket or there can be an accident where someone gets injured or dies um, but but we can be fined and the license can be taken taken away mm-hmm. from the alcohol and beverage control um, and so um, you don't want to get that and it's not just the place will be fined there's a big fine but every bartender the bartender who did it if I don't if I don't check to see if you are of drinking age then and 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 it comes back on me. I'm the one who's fined, mm-hmm. and and then I I'm not able to work. And now how do I make a living? Yeah. So I think that mo in the industry today that I'm aware of, because I used to be a bartender and I, and I work for a brewery, they are very aware of this and they're really good at what they do. But of course, there's always a bad seed there and there mm-hmm. here and there. But for the majority, I'd probably say it's like 97, 99 percent. They're they're on top of that. Yeah, and that's good. It's to better hear. than it's ever been. That's definitely good to hear that the places that serve alcohol are taking responsibility. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's what's all about. It's taking responsibility. I'm glad that on that end. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be working for the most part. And it comes down to, you don't want to lose your living. You don't want to be shut down. I, I, I did experience a bar years ago that got shut down. They got mm-hmm. shut down and they were down for, um, I think it was three months or something like that. And that, that's devastating to a bar. You can't be closed down for three months. It's hard to come back. I don't even know if they really survived that or not. Thanks, Mikhail, for appearing on my show, on my special here today. Mikhail Woodward is the host of Beer Ambassadors coming up right after this special on KUCI. And that concludes the Distracted and Drunk Driving Awareness special today on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. A replay of this will be posted under my regular show, Speedway Sounds, which will return next week. I'm Noah Stein, and thank you so much for listening, especially if you are one of my classmates, friends, or family. And to everyone, whether they are listening from my hometown or listening from anywhere else in the world, especially and including my fellow anteaters, please contribute some of your time to being responsible, to ensuring that you and the people in your life never ever drive distracted or under the influence. And hopefully we will never have to experience this again. It is always a hope that I have. Have a good evening and stay safe out there, drivers. <laughs>